Morning, everybody. Look at this friendly crowd sitting out there. Oh, nice. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> hey, glad to see you today. Thanks for being here. Uh, if you're a guest, thanks for coming in. You might not know exactly what to expect, but we're going to do our best to make you feel at home and not do anything to you. So, deal? Is that okay? All right, so we have been... Uh, We've been talking for the last six months almost. It's been since Thanksgiving. We started this series called The Well-Crafted Life. And we believe Jesus invites every single one of us into a life that is beautiful, that is, he he calls it abundant. When Jesus came, he said, he was talking to his disciples, he said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly or that you might have it to the full. I'm like, wow, isn't that what you want? Don't you want that kind of a life? You want abundant life? You want to have life to the full? That's what Jesus offers to us. And we've been describing it as a well-crafted life. So, you know, you invest your time and you invest your energy and you invest your heart and your soul and your spirit into following Christ and developing this life that's a well-crafted life. We think there are five crafts that go into this, and we've talked about four of them extensively over the last several months. So the, the five crafts are Scripture and prayer and generosity, and connection, and service. And these days, we're, we're into the last craft, the craft of service, and we're talking about how crucial that is for us to live uh, a well-crafted life. Uh, some of you have been to the Leadership Summit that we host in the summer every year, right? Some, some of you have been to that? Yeah, good. It's coming up again August 10th and 11th. Put it on your calendar. It's going to be fantastic. One of the speakers uh, two years ago was a man named Horst Schulze, He's a German man, grew up in Germany, and immigrated to the United States many years ago, and he is the founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Group, a hotel I've never had the privilege of staying in. Because it's a, it's a hotel, it's really designed for very important people. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm important in my circle, like, like my circle, it's a small circle, but, um, but like not, not to rise to the level of the Ritz-Carlton. Well, here's this guy. He's the founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. He's a follower of Jesus, and he spoke at the Leadership Summit, and he described how he trains every, every time they open a new hotel. He goes and personally trains all the workers from the, from the highest executives in that hotel down to the people who are maybe what we would think of as the lower servants, the lowest servants, the ones who are busboys and bed makers and, and dishwashers and those kinds of people. He brings them all together, and he gives them the motto of the hotel for their employees, for their staff. He says this, we, when we, when we serve in this hotel, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. I'm like, that's one of the most amazing statements I've ever heard. Because immediately when you say that to someone who's a dishwasher, to someone who's a bellhop, to someone who's a housekeeper, you're giving someone who never gets the time of day, you're giving them dignity. And it's amazing. And there's something that happens when you serve others that elevates your dignity as a human being. And it's weird because in our world, we don't usually look at it that way. In our world, we're like, no, there's some people that are at the top. They're very important people. And then there's some people at the bottom. Those are the servants. And they don't have dignity. They're just, they're just doing a job so the rest of us important people can live our lives and be important. And the way Mr. Schultz describes it for his employees is, if you're an employee here, you are an important person. I love how he lays that out. I want, I want to learn some things from Mr. Schultz as we go along today, and I'll, I'll let you hear from him in a little bit. But I want to talk to someone who's even got a higher 
record and a higher uh, value on leaders, on servanthood, even than Horst Schulze did, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So if you have your Bible, why don't you open up to uh, Philippians chapter 2. I, wanna, I want to read for you and walk through with you what is my favorite passage of Scripture today. And uh, you will, I, I think, you will find some amazing things about Jesus here and some amazing things about what he invites us into here as we pursue the well-crafted life. So Philippians chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible with you, you know, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. If you don't have a Bible with you, can I just encourage you to bring it? You know, if you don't have a Bible, we'll help you get one. That's cool. But I want you to bring your Bible because I want you to be able to look at this stuff and go, oh, here's where they find that. And I can actually look it up again and read it at home. You know, if you don't have a Bible at all, you have a smartphone. There's Bible apps on there like the YouVersion Bible app we use. There's notes on there that we put in this week. So uh, pull that out and you can follow along. And uh, let's look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read starting at verse 1. But today, right now, we'll go back to verse 1 later. Let's start in the middle. Let's start right there in the heart of it in verse 5. Philippians 2 verse 5 says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross in this remarkable little journey jesus begins the story in heaven he begins the story with all the rights and privileges of god in heaven it says he existed in the very form of god in the very nature of god he's god he's got all the rights and privilege of, privileges of heaven if he ever checked into the ritz carlton it would be a come down for him from where he started he was equal with god and yet it says he did not regard equality with god something to be used to his own advantage Can you get your head around that? He did not regard equality with God to be something to be used to his own advantage. Do you ever take advantage of your circumstances? Do you ever ever leverage your position? Okay, don't raise your hand. That's all right. But most of us do. Most of us leverage our position. Whatever your position is, you're like, you're going to leverage that thing to get an advantage, right? Can you imagine Jesus? He did not regard equality with God as something to be, to be, to be used for his advantage. So like he never would have been driving down the road and, and look at all the traffic in front of him, in front of him and just go, part. <laughs> Could have. But he did not. He did not consider his position as God something to use for his own advantage. Well, then whose advantage does he use it for? Others. Another translation says he did did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Do you know any graspers? Don't, Don't look at them. But do you know any? You know, or, or does the person sitting next to you know anyone who's a grasper? We, I mean, we are graspers in this life. We're grasping for the next rung. We're grasping for the next promotion. We're grasping for the next big thing, we're the next shiny thing. We are graspers in this world. We used to have a rule when our children were younger. We used to have a rule. We had to implement it. We didn't always have to, but every now and then we'd go through this season. We had to implement this rule. It was the front seat rule. 
Do you know the front seat rule? Front rule, front, you know, yeah, this will help some of you parents. Yeah, the front seat rule says you cannot sit in the front seat on two consecutive trips. I mean, you only got one child, no big deal. You get the front seat all the time, bub, no big deal. But if you got three children and you only have one extra front seat besides the driver's seat, you never get to sit in the front seat on consecutive trips. Why not? Because everybody's grasping the front seat because it's the best one. Our children are graspers. Where'd they learn that from? Yeah, neighbors, yeah. Where do they learn to fib? (laughs) Yeah. Those pesky neighbors. He did not, Jesus, hang with me up here. (laughs) He did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. That phrase drives theologians crazy. They're like, whoa, 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 how can God empty himself? And if God ever got to empty himself, what would be left? If he empties himself, he's no longer God. And so people have all these theological things they go through in their head trying to figure out what in the world that means. Well, it's really not that complicated to figure out what it means when you understand the kind of literature this is and that it's a Hebrew poem. And Hebrew poems are structured so that one line is explained by the next line, which is explained by the next line. It's called parallelism, and it's just the way Hebrews uh, write their poetry. And so as you look through this, this poem about Jesus, you see it's, a, it's, it's parallelism. It's just one line describing the, or being described by the next and the next. And so Jesus existed in the form of God, but he did not regard that as something to be grasped or used for his own advantage. So he emptied himself. What does that mean? Well, it means he humbled himself, which comes next. And he took on the form of a human being. And when he did that, he became a servant. And after he did that, he, he, he humbled himself even to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's not some technical thing like, oh, he emptied himself and now he's no longer God. It's just simply the process of humbling himself. Why? Because it is the nature of God to humble himself and serve. It is the nature of God to humble himself and serve. And so when Jesus came into the world, he didn't do something that was out of character. You know, you think, well, God is powerful, powerful, powerful. And when Jesus came and he served, you know, he changed his M.O. for a while. He changed his M.O. while he was on earth. No, he didn't. He was exactly God. His whole life on earth, he expressed exactly what God does. And it is the nature of God to humble himself and serve. Otherwise, Jesus tried to deceive us in his character. Jesus did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and humbled himself and became a human being so that he could serve us. And then he actually went so far as to die on a cross for us. Service. It's why it's one of the, well, the, the, the five crafts of a well-crafted life. Service. It's reflective of Jesus. It's reflective of the character of God. Look what Look what God the Father does for Jesus when Jesus humbles himself that way. Verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus humbled himself, God exalted him. You will never rise higher than when you serve. You will never rise. I will never rise higher than when I stoop to serve. I will never rise higher than when I stop to serve. And that's what Jesus did. God the Father exalted him, put him above every name, gave him above a name that's above every name in heaven and earth and under the earth. You'll never rise higher than when you serve. Jesus told his disciples, he said, the Son of Man did not come. He, he is the Son of Man. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's why he came, and to give his life. It's the nature of God to humble himself and serve and give. I made a mistake one Easter. I probably make a mistake every Easter. And every other Sunday and every other day. But I made this one mistake. I, we, I made a mistake on an Easter several years ago. We, we were just in this property for about two or three or four years. I'm not sure exactly which year this was. But in, the, in those early days, we were trying to figure out how to get everybody together in one spot for Easter. And we had these big crowds coming in like, ah, we don't know what to do. And we weren't thinking about having six gatherings on a weekend or those kind of things. So we said, let's put up a tent. So we got this big circus tent. We did this two or three years in a row. We got this big circus tent down on the corner. A lot of you will remember that being there and what that was like. And it was, it was really fun. It was exciting. And it was like energized. And the seat, this thing seated like 2,500 people at a time. And it was like, this is amazing. It's so fun. And so uh, this, on the week before Easter, it takes them a while to set this thing up. So they came in, they set it all up, and our team came in on Saturday morning, and they're getting all the chairs set up and the decorations going and all the things they had to go to make Easter beautiful in a tent. And I wanted to help. I want to be part of the team. So I rode my bike over from our house, and I, and I remember pulling up, and there's activity going on everywhere. And one of the first guys I ran into was one of our elder team members, one of our, one of our board members for the church. And he's out there setting up chairs and doing all this great service stuff. And I rode up on my bicycle, and he, he looks over at me and goes, what are you doing here? I work here. And, and, and it's my church. I don't mean like mine. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm part of it too. I, it's, it's my church. I get to be involved in it. I just came over to help and to set up chairs with you and to see how it's going. And he goes, you have more important things to do than this. And here's my mistake. I believed him. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I got on my bike and rode home. I've always regretted that. I said, there's nothing, I should have said, there's nothing more important than setting up chairs for Easter. There's nothing more important than sweeping the floor. Nobody's bigger than the mop. I will never rise higher than when I stop to serve. That's why at Lakeside, our values include we give ourselves to others. We love meekness. Why? Because those things are true of Jesus. Those are aspirational for us. That's the kind of church we aspire to be. One that serves others. Now, 
It's not always that easy for us because by nature we are graspers. In my, by nature, Jesus was a server. By nature, Jesus humbled himself. By nature, we tend to, write, we, we tend to elevate ourselves. We, we kind of tend to do the opposite of Jesus. So how do you go about this? Go back up to verse 1. Look what Paul says to us. Here's, here's where he says, now this is how I want you to do this. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Think through those words with me for a minute. If you have any encouragement from being, being united with Christ. Do you, do you ever find you get encouragement from being united with Christ? Six of you? Oh, you didn't know it was interactive. Hey, it's going to be interactive. Do you ever get encouragement from being united with Christ? Yeah, right on. We do. Of course we do. I know you're just messing with me. If you've ever received encouragement from being united with Christ, if you've ever been comforted by his love, if you ever have uh, common sharing in the spirit together as a church, if you ever feel tenderness and compassion, he goes, look, if you have those things, then, then make my joy complete. Fill my joy up. Fill my tank up by letting me see this happen in you. And then he describes what he wants. He says, I want you to be like-minded. I want you to have the same love, the same spirit, the same mind. I want there to be unity among you. And how do you get to unity among you? Here it comes. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. We may have to stop a lot of activity. You want to do interactive again? Anybody ever have selfish ambition? Yeah, about half. And the, other, and the other half been hanging around with Mr. Fibber. <laughs> yeah, that's your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> Selfish ambition. It runs deep in us. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or, or empty or vain conceit. There's a play on words there in this passage. Empty or vain conceit. The word vain, it means empty. It's the same word. But it's the same word that he uses when he describes Jesus in the next paragraph when he says he emptied himself. It's the same word. You have empty conceit, but Jesus emptied himself. Empty conceit literally is the word empty glory. You pursue empty glory, but Jesus emptied himself of real glory. You do the exact opposite of what Jesus did. He emptied himself of glory, and you seek empty glory. He goes, do, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, empty glory. But rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others.
not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of, of the others. That's serving. And you never rise higher than when you serve. Now, we're not all good at it. In fact, most of us are not good at it naturally. Every now and then you'll come across someone and you go, wow, that person is a natural server. That's just amazing. But most of us are not naturals. We have to learn how this works. And it's not, it's not easy. Remember I told you about Horst Schulze, the, the founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Group. Would you like to meet him? Oh, good. I've got him in two dimensions today. Yeah, he's going to be on the screen, not actually here with us. But I want you to hear from Holst, Holst, mm -mm, Mr. Schulze who founded the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Group and listened to him talking about service and how hard it is for us and what it looks like. Let's experience that service somewhere. Let's, let's experience in a situation that you all have experienced most likely, except the one of the some of you that have a lot of money and send somebody with a sack of money to the bank and you don't go yourself. But if you have gone yourself, let's experience service in the bank. I'm picking a bank because it actually happened. I'm picking a bank because after all, they're in the service business. They cannot deny in the service business. In fact, their whole product is service. They didn't make the money. <laughs> the whole product is service. Let's go to a bank for a moment that I experienced many years ago. I go to this, to this bank, to this big bank. Let's go together and experience service so you can internalize what it really is. We go to the bank. It was a huge bank. I was supposed to speak to them the next day to their 200 managers about customer satisfaction. Give me, tell me, are you used to my accent by now? <laughs> okay, then we get serious now. <laughs> I was supposed to talk to them about customer satisfaction. So the day before, I thought I'm going to go to that bank, huge bank, portal, big portals, huge. You walk in, uh, you could feel the money, uh, columns, <laughs> yeah, Co uh, uh, marble columns, marble floor, you, maybe even money stuffed in the columns, who knows? And, <laughs> and you could feel it, it's stately and beautiful around you, beautiful around, around you. And then over there, a long counter, mahogany, the tellers. And in front of it, a maze. Now, you, I'm sure you have been in that maze too before. So I'm getting into the maze. I count the people before me. I count the tellers. 24 people in front of me. A huge counter, 24 tellers. Well, good, I'm number two. And, and so, <laughs> so slowly, slowly I'm getting in front. Now, mind you, let me remind you what service is. Welcome, comply, farewell. That's what service is. So I'm looking left. And somebody on the right screams, next! <laughs> and I go over. In the meantime, was a lady, men are usually worse. Let me be very, very clear about it. Was a lady, she was looking down for seconds to finish a transaction. I look at her face. I don't know her. She cannot know me. But when she looked up, it was totally clear that she hated me. <laughs> and, and she said, yes. And she said, yes. And I said, I just want to change $50. And she said, 10, 20, 40, 45, 50, next. <laughs> I take my product. You see, change was my product. I looked at it. No defect. Timeliness was very excellent. Caring was not. What do you think I remembered? 
the fact that I had pro proper change. <laughs> I mean, and, and here, here you are. In this case, isn't it a fact that service, look at it in this way, isn't it a fact that service is your product? Certainly in a case like that. So why do we have processes, all kind of processes to produce all kind of things? I'm sure the transactions were careful thought. There were processes behind everything, but there was no process about the whole huge, most important part of the product, service. What if she would have said, what if she would have said, the next gentleman, please. And I come to her, tell her, and she says, welcome, sir, how may I help you? Just want to change $50. My pleasure, 10, 20, 45, 50, have a great day. Thank you for coming by. Bang. No more work. No, no more words. Everything but a satisfied customer instead of a dissatisfied customer. Not a loyal customer. But satisfied. If, but if this would continue ongoing, I would become a loyal customer because I would start trusting them. But what if she would have said, the next gentleman, please. And I come to her teller, and she says, welcome, Mr. Schulze. Personalized. Well, how would you know my name? Well, I know your name when you check in my hotels. There are systems to accomplish that. There are apps to accomplish a tool today. So what do we, she would have said that? And I would say, I just want to change $50. And she said, that is my pleasure, Mr. Schulz. 10, 20, 45, and here are five coins, because I know you are collecting coins. Individualized, personalized and individualized service. And then I know, I would have known right there, she cares for me. In that moment, I become loyal. That's a product. That's the product we are supposed to produce in service. That type of caring. The type of caring where you recognize everybody. I, I go to my church sometimes, and I walk by employees. Employees. I don't know what you call them in the church. Please forgive me if I mean anybody here. <laughs> I'm, sure they were, I'm sure they're associate pastors. And I walk by, they don't even say good morning to me. not easy serving sometimes but you never rise higher than when you serve one of the great joys in my life as a leader at Lakeside is to know that there are hundreds of people that are serving at Lakeside I look at this craft of the five crafts I look at this craft and I go wow there's a lot of people that have this dialed in among us and uh, we're going to talk about serving for the next couple of weekends, so we'll cover some more ground as we go along. But let, can I just invite you to do a couple things with me today before we wrap this up? I want, to do a, I want to do a service survey with all of you. So take out that Connect card that we asked you to fill out a while ago. Take it back out. Or if you're, if you're checking in on the app, you can do this. You can do it this way. If you haven't checked in yet or, or sent it, there, we put the questions right there in the app so you can follow along with this if you want. Just three questions I'd like you to answer today and just write it on the card, any place on the Connect card. We're just, we're just trying to uh, do a little research on this, a little fact-finding as a church together, okay? Number one, first question, where are you serving currently at Lakeside? 
you know, are you serving in Kids Fest? Are you serving uh, in our guest services? Do you help mow the lawn? Do you help count the offering? Do you serve in the tech team? You know, where do you serve at Lakeside currently, number one? Number two, where do you serve in the community currently? Because we have literally hundreds of us out in the community serving in various ways, in, in Little League, in the soccer clubs, in the PTA, in all kinds, in the Rotary Club. There's all kinds of places where people are serving today. Uh, around a community. So where do you serve in the community? And number three, write down how many hours do you estimate that you give every week on average serving in some capacity? Where do you serve at Lakeside currently? Where do you serve in the community currently? And how many hours do you think you spend doing those things every week? And just let us know, because I think it's going to be, I think it would just be an amazing, encouraging thing for us. Do you ever have any encouragement in being united with Christ? I think there's some encouragement that comes when you know that we're serving our church and serving our community well. And I think that's what we'll see as we watch this. That's one. Number two, let me give you a uh, serving challenge. Some of you would look at your life and you go, oh, I do the serving survey and I'm, I'm really not serving anywhere. I'm just kind of doing my own thing and stuff. I haven't really thought about it or haven't engaged in service or something. And I want to just drop on you the service challenge that between now and Thanksgiving, which is about six months away, you would accept the challenge to find a place to serve and commit to it till Thanksgiving. You can, you can go out. We got the... We got the um, uh, uh, service, what are we calling this thing? The service op expo outside. We got a bunch of tents outside is what we got with a bunch of people that lead service opportunities. You can go out there today and you look around, ask them what they do, get involved in one. You can go sign up to serve. You can take the service challenge from now till Thanksgiving. And when you sign up, you can say, I'm just doing this till Thanksgiving. Don't get all excited because I'm only doing this till Thanksgiving. And you can, you have our permission to do that. That's the service challenge. Sign up for one and serve in it until Thanksgiving. And then if that one didn't fit you, that, you know, it's like, oh, that, I'm not really using my gifts well, then you can quit that one because you told them right up front, just till Thanksgiving. Or maybe it goes fantastic and you go, I've never, I've never been encouraged this much in my life as I have been by serving others in this ministry. And maybe you'll do it longer than Thanksgiving. But take the service challenge and see where God leads you to serve and how he leads you to serve through his church in the coming months. Let's see what God does. Father, thanks so much for your goodness to us. Uh, We love you and we appreciate you and your kindness and the way you have shown us through your son Jesus what it's like to live a life that honors you. Lord, what it's like to humble ourselves, to empty ourselves, to give up our own pursuit to be able to help uh, meet the interests of others the needs of others. Lord, thank you for all of those things. For us today, I pray that you would lead us in the path you have for us, lead us in the area of service. Lord, for those, for those who are serving already, may their heart be deeply devoted to it. May they find that there's great fulfillment in those serving opportunities. And for those, Lord, who are not yet serving, may they find a place where they could go, I, I could get involved in this. I'll I'll touch down in this, Lord, and, and I believe you'll do amazing things in them, in them, not only through them, as that happens. So, Lord, give us a blessing and lead us in that path for the sake of your honor and glory. We ask through Jesus. Amen.